BJJ in Life. I'm your host, DJ San Marco, and that's my co-host, Athena, over there that I'm sure you guys can hear. But no, my actual co-hosts are Dr. Will Wu, the uh, Kawhi Leonard of Irvine. Athena, please be quiet. Oh, you're not going to do that to me, are you? <laughs> the Kawhi Leonard of Irvine. Right and, off the top. And, and Nick Cazono, the LeBron James of Portland. Party oh. people, put your oh. hands together. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> So, uh, all right, yeah, Athena is trying to get in the. All right, she wants to get in the. There, can you see her? There she is. Oh, look at that, Master. Athena. That's a good-looking dog. Say hello, girlfriend. All right, hey. now be quiet while Daddy's doing the show. All right, so all right, uh, Will. Okay, do you have anything to say about the Clippers going down in seven? They were up three-one in the series against uh, Denver. They were up 3-1, and they go down in Game 7. They lose by 20. So if, you're, if you don't have a history with the Clippers being born and raised in Southern California, or maybe you're just somehow not in Southern California and a fan of the Clippers, which I have no idea, <laughs> idea why you would do that, but up 3-1 never having been to the western conference finals the clippers be just being the clippers that was that was the soul of a franchise on display right there regardless of ownership regardless of players it's just like the Lakers, their soul is being champions and getting really good players, and those players actually showing up. It's the Clippers just continuing to be to lose. Talk Even me, like, and it's sounds not, like the Browns. Oh my goodness, <laughs> no, Cleveland like, Browns. Yes, almost like uh, Baker Mayfield talking <laughs> oh trash goodness. to Dame Lillard, saying, "Get me, hey Dame Lillard, get me a condo in Cancun." And stuff like that, or you know, go get your reservation in Cancun because you out. And and Dame uh, tweeted back at the Clippers last night saying, "Hey man, I can, I'm already here. I can get you guys a room." <laughs> <laughs> what what makes it even worse? They they're up three one. They just have to win one more game to advance and and uh, establish some franchise history. Athena, stop. Western yeah. Conference Finals. That says a lot about the franchise itself. They've never been to a Western Conference final. So they're up 3-1. No, they're up. They're up 3-1. And they're up by double digits in the fourth quarter for the three games that they lose. Yeah. It just gets even worse, right? When you talk about it. And it's an epic fail on their part. One of the things that the aftermath of it that kind that bothers me a lot is that you don't hear anything about a lack of leadership, choking, whatever it may be about yeah. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. But if it was LeBron James. Oh, no. Oh, oh yeah. no. But if it was LeBron James, he LeBron would be the worst <laughs> NBA player ever. He's, He's totally washed up. Yeah. Can't do it without yeah. Dwayne Wade or Kyrie yeah, yeah. Irving or yes, whatever, whatever. Yes. Right? We would hear all of that. But yes. there's actually complete silence. When they lost game six in the LA Times, they had an article about the Clippers losing and not one mention, negative mention, about Kawhi Leonard. Oh, I know. Like he was supposed to be their savior. He played about three quarters of the season with the team. 
not because he was injured, but because he was quote unquote yeah. load, load management, which makes it even worse because load management is supposed to not only make you healthier, but better in the important parts of the season. And you know, the funny thing is they, what was it? They, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard combined. They, they honored Kobe Bryant with that game seven loss. How do they honor Kobe Bryant? Because Paul George, Kawhi Leonard combined for 24 points. points. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Kobe's still in the house. And what's oh, that guy's geez. name? Uh, Jamal Murray had 40, uh, hitting huge shots, man. And that guy, Nick, uh, Quiet Girls, and Nikola Jokic was absolutely amazing. Triple-double, uh, 15 rebounds. I don't know how many, 13 assists, 15 rebounds. Something really stupid. The guy, so, it was amazing. After the loss, I was messaging back and forth with my brother, and we were talking about Kawhi Leonard. And I go, "All right, let's take a look at what happened during the summer." Kawhi Leonard, uh, fault number one, he passes up on the Los Angeles Lakers to be a Clipper. That's a big one, right? He wanted and to then, oppose LeBron. Yes, and then bad decision. Obviously, didn't know about. Well, he grew up in LA. He should know about the history, but maybe that's a little hubris oh, on his part cold. that's cold yeah bro. he, he, he should he know goes. about it right recognize and then the other thing is he he doesn't sign with nike and then apparently has legal matters with nike and i guess was suing them for use of his his logo or something along those lines yeah he signed with new balance and then he signs with new balance yeah now i'm saying i messaged my brother whoever his business manager is that dude's got to be fired I'm telling you, man. Uh, Those are some seriously poor decisions I, I, there. I really don't. I and we got to move on to MMA. I really don't want to pick on Kawhi the way that they would have done on LeBron. But as you said, the entire sports world, not only nationally, but I think somebody today suggested internationally, would be on fire right now if it were LeBron James that that was in this situation. So um, I'm super happy, and I hope LeBron can win uh, his fourth title. I hope. Because this, this Denver team's amazing. And then he can give the big middle finger to all the MJ people. All right. Moving right along to mixed martial arts. Uh, Nick Cazone. It's a very difficult, very difficult sports, mixed martial arts. Yes. And, and, yeah, let's let's get to the Mick Jagger of MMA, uh, uh, Nick Cazono. Nick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, actually, we're going to start off with last week's fights with Hill versus Watterson. And uh, Rock, uh, Roxanne Modafari versus uh, Angela uh, KGB Lee. So go ahead, uh, Will. Tell me what you thought uh, about Hill and Watterson. It was another close decision. And to know, as, as I've said before, to know Angela Hill is to love this girl. She's just phenomenal. She's representing uh, black female. She's the first black female ever to, um, to uh, headline a UFC card. And uh, she loses to uh, Michelle Watterson in a close decision. What say you, Nick, about what you think went wrong in that fight for Angela Hill? Well, I mean, it was close. Close fight, right? But, I mean, she, she loses. She tends to lose close fights for whatever reason it is. Um, it almost reminds me of like a George or yeah Jorge Masvidal at you know one one fifty five where he has these close decisions which you think he might win he might lose but like for instance the Ella Iaquenta fight 
where he kind of coasted the third round, maybe the second. It's been a while since I've seen the fight, but you know, I would say a lot of people thought he won that fight, but then he loses a, a split decision, I think, maybe. But yeah. I don't know. I, I find the same, not really, not really same, but there's some similarities in, in regards to that, I guess. You know, you have a, you have a talented fighter, close, close decisions, but they tend not to, the decision just doesn't go their way. So I, I, I feel for Hill in regards to that, but I mean, um, I think she has to mix up her, her skills mix that her she's been working arts? on. Mix martial arts, yes. Oh, okay, all right. I mean, I, granted, I'm liking, you, I'm liking this. Okay. Don't don't disregard what got you to the dance. Obviously, her her Muay Thai, her striking. You okay, know, I you mean, she she was putting people down. <laughs> she was putting people down in Invicta, became a champion in Invicta. You know, and then we signed to UFC, and and she's had you know wins and losses along her way in the UFC. But yeah, I mean. She is definitely working on her grappling, and she even mentioned post our uh, interview that. Mm-hmm. that she needed to use, you know, more of her grappling to kind of mix up her her attacks. On, and and yeah, and I think if she does that, mixes up maybe some takedowns, and trying to you know get on top, and you know her ground and pound is actually really nice. Um, she had that win over oh, I forgot what's her name. Was it but, um? Uh, was that, uh, random Marcos or who was that? No, no, it was after the random Marcos fight. She lost that. She lost armbar versus, or yeah, it was an armbar loss from her. Oh, from uh, random Marcos. It was, uh, it was, a up like a newer fighter. Oh, Loma Lockhorn. Was it that? No, it was this chick just, this, oh, Cyphers, Hannah Cyphers, Hannah Cyphers. She's the one where she was dropping elbows, right? Yeah, like she took, TKO's she got on mount yeah. and she started landing these yeah. elbows, and it was it was vicious. You're like, so she has that, she has that uh, skill set. So, but I don't know. In mixing takedowns with her striking, yeah, I think it would open up her striking, and also I think her use of kicks, which she's a you know extensive Muay Thai background, but she hasn't really been using her kicks really at all. I think in I don't know her recent, I would say last four fights. So I think varying up her her arsenal and her attacks might might nothing, you know win her some some decisions. Nothing in noise will woo more than to know that a fighter has ground skills and just stops somebody with elbows. And the last two fights, they wait, they go for zero takedowns, they throw almost zero leg kicks, and they basically go with a boxing centric attack. Yeah, one way you can annoy the living daylights out of me <laughs> is to not kick and not threaten anything on the ground. And if you do that, you might as well just be a boxer because, and then it'll be just boring like crazy. Uh, but Nick brings up a good point. If you're mixing your martial arts, plural, <laughs> yes, correct, then it from, I'll just get like a little geeky on here from a motor control standpoint, it slows down reaction time. So you have more options that you have to deal with and you have more options you have to deal with or more things that you're trying to survey in the environment about your opponent, the longer your reaction time is gonna be. And so if people wanna talk about boxing being a, a sport of inches or a sport of timing or whatever that may be, that is one really, really significant aspect of your game 
that you can help improve to, let's say, a knockout punch where it's just a glance where if it would have been a little bit, you know, half inch or quarter inch off, then it's, it's lights out. And so that's one of the things to Nick's point is if you are mixing your martial arts, plural, <laughs> you have to, you give your opponent additional things to have to worry about. And when they have to worry about additional things, it's going to slow down their reaction time and it's going to open up some, some things for you. Um, how did you guys score that? How did you guys score that, that fight? Um, or by a per round basis. The, the first two rounds uh, were Angela Hill. I agree. And the the yeah. second two rounds were Michelle Watterson because yep. she got takedowns in I think it was the next two rounds or it might have been the fifth round. And then, uh, well, no, the fifth round I think was striking. But Michelle Watterson was throwing a variety of different techniques out there. She was she started to kia. You know, karate kia yeah. and throws ki for different. power for yes, power. Well, but no, we're, we're dealing <laughs> with for the, power. You know, well, first of all, I want to mention two things here. A, we're dealing with the human element, which is the judges. So if you have one person who's kind of who's kind of dancing, getting a little side to side, throwing the same combinations each time, and when it lands, it does damage. So if we're going by damage, Angela Hill wins. Okay, but that's not the criteria for uh, MMA judging. Uh, and so therefore when you have one person that's throwing these other techniques, that's Kia, that's getting the judge's attention that won't be denied. This comes out aggressive and she got two takedowns and she had in that one round, she had two minutes and 40 seconds of control time and she yeah. couldn't get up. I mean, yeah. what are you doing if you're training? And now I love this girl. And by the way, she is the granddaughter of, uh, or the great granddaughter of Barney and Betty Hill, the uh, uh, UF, UFO uh, uh, folks from the '60s out up in New Hampshire, but that's beside the point. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I, sh I should have known that, DJ. <laughs> yeah, of course. But um, <laughs> but seriously, there's there's two interesting things here. One, the human element. Two, as we said, if you're uh, not uh, you know using different martial arts, not trying to get a takedown. I didn't know that there was a scientific element to it, which makes <laughs> which makes it uh, all the more valuable that our friend uh, and our co-host, Dr. Will Wu, is here. Because I didn't know that there's actually – it slows the reaction time, just to reiterate what you said. Because I felt this for my entire life watching, and actually I've coached ringside a couple of times. And um, I never knew that there was a, a scientific component to this. Correct. And so it's uh, when I talk about these things, this is just how humans control their movements, right? How they respond to their environments, how they learn their movements. It's the same thing if I were to bring in a baseball or softball example. If I'm a pitcher, I don't want to have just one pitch. Right. The hitter knows what's coming. But if I have multiple pitches, multiple locations, multiple release points, multiple velocities, then I really do some damage to my hitter because they don't know what to expect. They have to look for eight options or guess, right? If they want to really cheat it, then they just guess, right? And they're going to be wrong a lot of the times. But if they have eight options they have to worry about, their reaction time is going to be larger because they have to survey all those eight options or decide among all those eight options. But if there's just one or two, man, you make it much easier 
right? For a baseball or softball hitter. And it's just the same thing in, M in, in MMA, right? Same thing in fight sports. If you limit the options that you give your opponent, you make it easier for your, for them in terms of a reaction time scenario. No, I agree with you, Will, because Mariano Rivera only had that cut fastball and the slider, and look how terrible his career was. Well, that's a little different because he only on, faced— Will, that was Will, you're supposed to laugh. That was supposed to be funny. No, that's a little different. <laughs> We're on, talking about— Will. We're getting I, sport geeky here. I, yeah, We're getting sport be, geeky here. I'm trying to be funny, and you took me serious. You were about to answer that. Well, I can't Come take on. you seriously if no. you're— uh, well, I, You're saying the Yankees. My goodness. Yes, my team. Thank you. I'm from New York. Hendrick Hudson High School. Anyway, uh, so actually now, Will, we want to transition over to two fighters and one that Nick wanted to discuss that actually did use her entire skill set. Uh, and this was a girl who was an outstanding grappler, someone who would be very close to the heart of Will Wu uh, when she was fighting over in Japan. And now after getting uh, – she was on The Ultimate Fighter and shortly after uh, being on the show, she was cut – from the UFC, and uh, that is uh, Roxanne Modafferi. Now she's put together a really nice striking game, and she's utilizing inside-outside trips, double legs, in order to take the fight to the ground and bring the fight where she wants it. She's no longer a one-dimensional jiu-jitsu fighter. She is now a three-dimensional fighter with striking, wrestling, and jiu-jitsu. Nick? Yeah, I mean, I think... She needs to use all those skills in order for her to win because, I mean, she's not an outstanding wrestler. She has, I think, a judo background. So she, her, I think, trip takedowns, body lock takedowns, like kind of go, I think, from that sort of background that she had earlier in her career. And yeah, her, when she gets to the ground, her jujitsu oh. is like, it's great. It's awesome. You know, as far as MMA standards, it's, it's, it's up there and everything. Um, yeah, but she's developed into, you know, a pretty substantially decent striker that worries people on the feet, you know, I mean, she's knocked down a couple guys or a couple girls, I think in Invicta when she fought Tara La Rosa, she knocked her down, I think with a straight right or something like that. So, I mean, she has, you know, that threat is there, but it's not to the point of, you know, that she's going to maybe knock people out just solely on the feet maybe in due time she, it can become that but right now it's not but she, her all-encompassing skill set is what wins her these fights but at this level and what the skill she has right now you know it it, it basically you know ekes her it, it gives her that little bit of an edge to squeak if it's the fight's close it squeaks out these decisions which we saw against uh, andrea lee you know she used all her skill sets uh you know she she was content on the feet stood there with the the better striker and andrea lee uh given andrea lee's kickboxing background and, and oh, she's and just she's the better tough. she's the better striker she, on she, you know. she wants you to hit her in the face i mean yeah. that she's i'm telling well she will when you hit her in the face she smiles at you you hit her harder she smiles again i mean yeah, she looks she's like tough. she's yeah. this beautiful girl when she gets in the cage she looks like a crazy redneck chick from a country bar Oh, yeah. You hit her in the face, you go, hit me again. That didn't hurt. <laughs> so, Glad um, that you said that, TJ, and not Nick or I. <laughs> no, yeah. I know, exactly. Man. You or guys me. are racist, man. All right. Um, so, Nick, we're going to take a real quick uh, break here on MMA BJJ and Life. We'll be right back.
And we're back on MMA BJJ and Life. I'm your host, DJ San Marco, back with my intrepid co-host, Dr. Will Wu, and rock and roll heavy metal bass player, Nick Cazono, both of them jiu-jitsu junkies, all three of us to be completely accurate, uh, although Nick's better than both of us, but that's okay. Uh, anyway, gentlemen, uh, so where were we? We were talking about Roxanne Modafferi and her, basically her transition from an MMA fighter that was very singular, very uh, monochromatic. You know, she, she basically it was a one-trick pony. She would try to get to the ground, pull guard, those types of things, and submit you. You know what would be really interesting, guys? Uh, what if you put Roxy in there with somebody like a Mackenzie Dern? Does she, I'm assuming, she just stands on the feet and just tries to just pound on her and leg kick her on the feet. Go ahead, Nick. Well, I mean, this is MMA, so I think Roxanne's jujitsu from a defensive standpoint might be good enough for her to avoid the submission threat, get back to her feet, and, you know, kind of beat her on the feet. I mean, if they go for a submission, to, you know, if they're exchanging submissions and positions and if it becomes a jujitsu, a no-gi jujitsu match, then, yeah, she's going to obviously get beat by that. But... I don't know how well her um, leg lock defense is because uh, Mackenzie Dern's last win was from a nasty uh, knee bar. I think she was going yes, for a heel hook yes, and she yeah. transitioned to a knee bar. And her entry was really good. Her entry was obviously high class. And, you know, a lot of the a lot of the MMA, you'll see whatever fighters in regards to jiu-jitsu don't really know all the intricacies of, I mean, even I don't really know that much of her. I'm no UFC fighter, but I don't believe that. Even I don't believe just that. Uh, being a hobbyist jujitsu player, I mean, I'm, I've never really dabbled too much into the leg lock game and everything. But it's a complex game, especially in today's uh, you know competitive scene. I'm sure we'll. It's dirty. It's a dirty move. A never it. do it. It's dirty. <laughs> dirty. <laughs> Will would totally That's like rip my would... Achilles tendon if if he thought that he could get me to stop. It's like boxing for me. I don't go below the belt. I love it. So, but yeah, Will, that's my only concern. Just Will, the leg attacks. I don't know if she'll be able to defend them. Based I, on, I, based I, on I suspect she yeah. could. But, Will, I have a 20 spot that says that if they fight, if they fight, and right now it looks like they're trying to build Mackenzie Dern because they're giving her opponents that aren't as tough as, like, Amanda Hebas. When she fought Amanda Hebas, that was like, that, you know, she actually put. Amanda Hebas was in there to put Mackenzie Dern over. Mackenzie Dern actually put over Amanda Hebas because she has a black belt. She's quite good, and she has some vicious ground and bound. Yeah. But I'm, I, I have a 20 that says Roxanne doesn't even shoot a takedown on her. My first question is, does Dana White do that fight? Because she's that's two grapplers in the ring, two jujitsu oh, players no, yeah, together <laughs> in the oh. ring at the same time. Um, and then the other question is, the Montefiore camp has to has to take that step back and say she's a superior ground fighter than Montefiore is, right? Are they going to say that? Do they? And is she, right, when it comes to MMA jiu-jitsu? So I think you have that first barrier of Dana White not necessarily liking fights on the ground per se, jiu-jitsu matches on the ground. And then and the second is, does she really think that Mackenzie Dern is that much better than she is? 
Well, I mean, Amanda Hibas, uh, who has what? A brown belt in judo, black belt in jiu-jitsu. She's extremely athletic. Her striking is really good. And she even tried to stay off the ground with Dern. Dern took her to the ground, and so she kind of had to be in that position. But I, if I remember correctly, I think even Amanda Hibas didn't want to be down there with her. I suspect Roxy would would literally try to just eat her alive on the feet, either successfully or unsuccessfully. Because now, uh, oh, she's now <laughs> Mackenzie Dern is working with Will's favorite striking trainer, Jason Perillo. <laughs> uh, now I don't see Nick. Where's Nick? Nick, are you there? I'm there. Yeah, I'm I here. I had both of you. I don't know what views. I had both of you in the same view, and now I don't. I don't know why that's a thing, why that's happening. That's annoying me. Uh, I don't know. All right, that's okay. I can see you when you talk in any in any event. Okay. Uh, I mean, as far as Mataferi's um, awareness of how good Dern is, and she's she's definitely fully she she's she knows she's <laughs> yeah. not she knows how what what Dern brings to the table, what kind of credentials she does she has, and compared to hers, I mean, Dern's a you know multi multi you know IBJJF you know world champion and you know Mataferi who you know to her own credit she won a world championship in the I think 30 and above mm-hmm. uh division for brown belt so I mean she's got decent decent you know uh competitive jiu-jitsu um credentials herself being in a a UFC fighter but it it, it does not compare to what Dern has yeah. her experience yeah now i'm gonna i'm gonna move on uh we're gonna move on and talk about dustin poirier tony ferguson and the ufc business model but i'll just say this i mean i know will is like a total jiu-jitsu head there and nick knows that there are many 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 black belts in the ufc jiu-jitsu black belts and among those there are many different levels of black belts there are guys who are good on top there are guys who are good on the top and the bottom. Um, there are a lot more guys who are only good on top. When you get to the level where Mackenzie Dern is, where she fought somebody like Gabby Garcia and, and won in an open, uh, open weight match, this girl's good in every position. There's no fluff in her credentials whatsoever. And she will attack you. Now, I mean, obviously, she has to not be beat up. It has to be earlier in the fight. You know, we saw with Crone Gracie. I mean, if you tire him out over the course of, you know, whatever that was, I think that was a five-round fight because – or was it? Or was that three rounds? It's a three-round three okay. round fight. Three rounds where they I basically think. threw – they threw a lot of strikes. Um, I mean, it was a, it was a physical war. Uh, the game changes. But, but most girls, if you have – you know, as they say in the South, have you got any sense? You ain't going to ground with that girl. You ain't going to do it. So that's all I got to say about that. Uh, let's move on because there's something really big uh, that happened in the UFC this week that has really got a lot of people talking about the UFC business model, something that has drawn the ire of all three of us. I have talked to Will about these issues one-on-one. I've talked to Nick about these issues one-on-one. And we're in a situation now where, and Jed Mishu pointed this out very adroitly on uh, the Between the Links on MMA Fighting podcast run by Mike Heck, which I, I recommend people check out. It's an excellent podcast. And Jed Mishu uh, is a 
brilliant analyst, and I don't think I'm being hyperbolic in saying that. And he said something that a lot of people, a lot of us are talking about that Tony Ferguson and Dustin Poirier wasn't happening because of the fact that Dustin wanted too much money. As Dana's saying, Dana is saying things like Dustin negotiated his way out of this fight in terms of financials. And Jed Mishu pointed out, this guy was just UFC man of the year. I mean, for his philanthropic and volunteer work, that's like the Walter Payton Award, like in the NFL, you know, like given to the NFL man of the year, I think is called the Walter Payton Award because of volunteer work. And Will, once again, it happened with Jorge uh, fighting um, Kamara Usman, why they didn't put that fight together. It happened with Colby when Colby was supposed to fight Usman. And then they ended up, you know, uh, Gilbert Burns ended up getting that fight with, with Woodley. So, I mean, they keep seeing, basically, they're, they're giving these fights to the lowest uh, bidder, essentially. And the, the, the big thing about the UFC, when we all started watching is we make the fights that the fans want to see. We're not Bob Arum. We're not, you know, top rank. Uh, we're not Oscar De La Hoya. We're not Don King Productions. We make the fights the fans want to see. And now we see another situation where a fighter is not getting the money that he's supposed to get. And Dana White is making that fighter say, this guy didn't want the fight uh, because he negotiated his way out of the fight. Well, has anything changed? It's all about, <laughs> it's all about what... It's all about what the UFC is making. The whole model is all about re generating revenue for the organization. Uh, you could talk about the lack of you, uh, fighter, a fighters union. You can talk about um, this this scenario here, where I don't, I don't actually, even though I don't, who who brought it up that he was. He was uh, uh, UFC. J Jed Mishu said that it was only what was it within the last six months? They've yeah. only done. I He's think, humanitarian. Yeah, for uh, his, athlete for UFC. I don't yeah, even. I think yeah. that's all fluff, right? That's that's all fluff for the UFC. I think that's all an extra marketing avenue for it. Now, for him to get a contract, and I can't imagine Dana White sitting there going, "Oh, you know, you're a humanitarian athlete of the year for the UFC, so." you're going to get an extra million dollars. Hell no, that's not going to happen, right? All that stuff is just fluff to promote the organization. One of the things I was, you know, my draw to the UFC from boxing, and I grew up, you know, I grew up high school, post high school, watching Tuesday night USA boxing matches with my dad. I grew up, grew up watching boxing. Me too. And one of the things that, that I loved about UFC was how it was, or mixed martial arts in general, is how it's just, it's multi in nature. Um, it's the closest thing that we get to, you know, a real, real hand-to-hand -hand combat where I don't call boxing fighting anymore. I call it boxing because it's not fighting, it's boxing. Um, MMA, what you do in, a, in an MMA cage, that's fighting. Um, to that, to, so my acceptance of UFC is because of that, but also because of the fact like what you were saying before is that we don't have to wait years and years and years to see Khabib and whomever. We don't have to wait years and years to see two of the top UFC guys in their prime competing. 
unlike boxing where we had to wait to see an older Mayweather and an older Pacquiao because of all the other crap that they have going on in terms of what they do for promotions. That's what's awesome about the UFC is you had two really good fighters and they would, they would fight. Um, and they wouldn't really necessarily worry about their records because if you were the best at the time and then you'd fight, but it still comes down to, he's all about making the money. And you've mentioned this in our conversations about the past DJ and they're probably off better in a better position now, but how much did they pay for that organization and how, badly and how quickly do they want to make that money back they 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 uh lorenzo and frank bought it for four million sold it for basically four billion so okay so uh, they got uh, they got bills to pay dj yeah, they got bills to pay home <laughs> we break it next and cash and checks uh nick is this is this business model sustainable or do you think something will give I mean, it'll be sustainable. Not to to be pessimistic about it. I mean, I mean, this organization's obviously built on you know the the health and backs of these fighters, and you know, um, I feel bad for Dustin, huge fan and everything, but you know they've done this time and time again to other name fighters and everything like that, and maybe uh, you know Conor McGregor is maybe that's why he's quote unquote retired right now based on you know maybe some situations like what we're seeing right now we're, with, we're, with dustin not, we're not to the same to, extent i'm gonna but, get yeah. i'm gonna get to to connor in my uh i know we're painfully not gonna, yeah. meat-headed wrap up, so. <laughs> i know but like you know they're they're going they're only they're only gonna pay what they think is gonna be you know um fair in regards to them sort of tightening up money constraints and everything like that they're not gonna and then their deals aren't really gonna favor the fighters unless they're like you know drawing a whole lot of uh fan attention and everything like that like a Conor McGregor but yeah I mean Dustin unfortunately you know if they're not gonna sort of uh, go and pay him a little extra you know 100 grand extra or whatever he's asking for you know, 150 to maybe two, 250,000 is maybe, I don't know, whatever he's asking for. If they're not even going to do, you know, uh, a pay increase in regards to that, then it's, it's, it's not going to break the UFC. It's not going to, you know, there's going to be a bit of a fan outrage for, for a week. And then, you know, MMA fans, me included, will we'll get sidetracked with some other fight that comes up. Like, you know, Israel, Adesanya, and Costa will we'll focus our attention on that fight instead of, um, you know, uh, being mad about Dana White not wanting to pay Dustin Poirier. And then, you know, it, it, it's, it's just going to move on. And then and that'll be that. So, no, it's not going to derail. Um, it's not really going to derail anything for the UFC. It's interesting that um, that universally the most, I would say one of the most loved fighters by both men and women in the entire UFC is Dustin Poirier, which makes Absolutely. it even more yeah. interesting. You could ask any, any fighter at any weight class, male, female. Daniel Cormier generally yields to wrestlers. His favorite fighters in the UFC are other wrestlers. And he lo- and I, I realize that they're both from, from Louisiana, but they're not from yeah. the same. They didn't know each other. They didn't grow up in the same area. And he loves Dustin Poirier, loves him. So, uh, and so does everybody else. But that said, I'm gonna, we're going to leave the topic with one question I want to ask, and I want to get a reaction from you, Will, and then you, Nick. Uh, 
the level of sympathy on a scale of one to 10 you have for a group of individuals, a group of independent contractors that have refused multiple attempts to organize into a union. So given the plight of Dustin Poirier and others like him, on the scale of one to 10, your level of sympathy, sir? Five. Nicholas. I would say a seven. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, based based on the fact that I mean, it, it's an individual sport, and it, it's hard to really uh, sort of group everybody and have them be on the same sort of criteria and what they want. I mean, you have up and comers, you have vets, you have guys making actually pretty decent money that they're few and far between, but you, you have guys like Daniel Cormier, who's perfectly fine, you know, with his USC contract and everything like that. He's in the minority in regards to everyone else. But I mean, it's, it's, I, I, I don't know. I feel like if majority of the guys want these sort of changes, it, it's hard for them without their, Without the, the the eyes on them, me talking to or referring to the mid-tier veterans, up-and-comers that, you know, casual fans just don't really know, all those guys, it's hard for them to sort of have everyone be on the same page in order for them to do well, I will, what's I, rightfully theirs. I will, split the, the page. I will split the difference with you two guys and say I'll be at six. Uh and I will say it because of uh, what Nick said is that um, basically that we have people, we have somebody like a Gilbert Burns that will run up and phone Dana and say, oh, I'll take that fight just because Masvidal won't take it. I'll take it. And then he'll undercut that individual. And now you have Dan Hooker and his coach, Eugene Behrman's coming out of the media and saying, oh, Dustin doesn't want it. We'll take that fight against Ferguson. So, and now Dana is saying, we've already found an opponent. We already have an opponent mm -hmm. for Tony, and we haven't announced it. So that's really, really annoying. And I think as long as uh, I'm going to have a limited amount of sympathy until you get an OG, uh, like the original group, uh, to go around and solicit the support of every one of these guys, sign those union cards, and then boom, now you, have, now you can uh, engage in the CBA against the UFC. As a fan of the UFC, I don't think it's in the best interest of a fan to have a union. Because if the UFC can maintain control over how the fights are being matched up, that's really good for us. Because I look at the extreme opposite as you have in boxing, it seems like a lot of the control is in the fighters' hands. And in boxing, how many different organizations, right? And then you have the same problem as you don't get to see the best guys match up. So I think it's a good thing for a fan to have the UFC in control because you don't have that issue of fighters not wanting to fight, fighting at their own time, ducking and all those sorts of things. But if you see fighters train and you, and you get a glimpse of how hard they train, how hard they work, how difficult the sport is, how they're physically, cognitively at risk in every single fight. You want them, you want them to be paid for the relative difficulty 
level of the of the sport. And, and so that's you, why I'm that's why I'm a five. And if you wanted to ply your trade elsewhere other than Cal State Long Beach, uh, because UCLA calls and they said, man, you know, you're 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 a legacy and and we would really like to have you working at our university. Are you free to do that? Yes. Okay, they're not. Correct. So 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 they why should they not have the freedom that you have or that an yeah. NBA player has or an NFL player has where they get to collectively bargain? They are in no bargaining position at all. And by the way, when you do you know that uh, with each one of these championship fights, they tack fights onto your contract? You, you're absolutely right. And from a fan perspective, from a fan perspective, I'm fine with that because that ensures me uh, certain matches or certain fights or a quality level. But from a fighter's perspective, I'm not fine with that because you don't have the freedom right, to do these different types of organizations. But you bring, you bring, you bring up a good point, DJ. And if you just take, let's say, MLB, Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA scenario, where they can go to another organization once their contract is up, if they desire. Well, let's, do- let's, let's, let's leave that aside and not take that for an example. And let's work with the notion that we're getting to see the fights that we want to see. Are we? Because in order for Jorge to get the fight, with Usman, he had to then have Gilbert Burns fall out. Well, I'll compare it to boxing, more so than boxing, which would be the most, not, the next not, best analogy that we could have for it. Not, not necessarily. I don't. I think those two are not mutually exclusive, because we have one organization, but we just have one. Okay, so in boxing, yeah, they can go and sign with different promoters, right? So they're more powerful. Here they are powerless, so you can still be under contract, but we can't negotiate those terms because your bargaining position is zero, none. You do what I say and you get on my platform so that you can have sponsors that, by the way, you can't bring to the cage with you, but you can have outside the cage sponsors. Yeah. Or you can suck. That's it. Yeah. So and and by the way, I'm going to attack. Every time you fight for a title, I'm going to make when you sign, I'm going to tack more fights onto your agreement. I agree with you from from that perspective. From the fighter's perspective, it's terrible. And for but, the fans because we're not as an example, we're not going to get this fight now. This this week is actually making my point. We are not going to get Tony and Dustin a fight that the entire fan base of the lightweight division wants. Strictly because Dana is now on this completely new kick that Lorenzo and Frank uh, and you, you You said it Nick guys like Chris Weidman said I didn't even talk to Dana when I had to go and work for a fight I had dinner with Lorenzo Well, we're not getting that fight, but we're getting Khabib and Gaethje. Yes, we okay. Yes, and this is that this is my point, right? So when Gaethje beat Ferguson That was the next fight everybody said well Khabib is Khabib is probably going to be in the next fight because yes. it would have been Ferguson. Yes. In boxing, how long do we have to wait for that? No. It, and it, does it ever happen? It, so it's true. I can under I I complete I agree with you 
in your assessment of the Poirier-Ferguson fight, it does not happen. But the main fight, the fight at the very end, is the Gaethje Khabib fight, and that's happening, and that's happening in a short turnaround. Okay, we're we're in a fifty percent solution, but what I'm what I'm what I'm uh, what that's I'm, why that's why I had a five. What, <laughs> <laughs> what I'm putting oh, what, I'm, what I'm putting forth to you though, Will, is that we were at something like in the in the Frank and Lorenzo era when Dana was Mister Ten Percent Shut the Fuck Up guy. Hmm. Uh, 10% stakeholder, we were at like an 80 or 90 percentile, and now we're down to a 50 percentile. So that's all I'm saying. Okay. I mean, I to be fair, no, I get both perspectives. You know, from a fan perspective, yes. I mean, when the UFC controls everything, for the most part, the fans get the fights that they want to see compared to boxing. Yeah, boxing, 50, I don't know 50%. that much about boxing, but 50. I'd, I'd like to see the numbers on that, like, you know, the research. But, I mean, what are the fights that fell through besides uh, Dustin and... Oh, um, tons of them. We never got Anderson and George. You know, we could name a, a number of a number of fights that, that we were going to get. Anderson and George in their prime, though, or was that, like, no, when George was tired? Yeah, it would have been, it would have been, I it mean, been when he was retired. Um, I, I, I'd, I'd yeah. have to go through and think of it, but there's a number of I fights. I think that number is a little... Inflated, in my well, view. Well, there there are a number. Just of looking at the welterweight division, there's Woodley fights that 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 didn't happen, uh, like the Wood, okay. Woodley Colby is now happening, but now Tyron is a damaged commodity, so it doesn't. You know what I mean? It doesn't have the luster that it did when Woodley had was going to break St. Pierre's record. So we didn't get that fight because they said that Colby wanted too much money. Uh, and then we had this whole thing between George and Usman where, okay, I'll fight him, but no, no, wait, uh, but this guy fell out because of uh, COVID. So now George came in on a week's notice to, well, see, to make George that fight. See, George knew, saved knew the, the terrain. He knew, he knew like, all right, if I don't do anything, not, something's going to happen and I'm going to be in a position where I can, I'll have the upper hand, and I could negotiate a better contract, which what's which what happened. But he was well, training that whole time. He had he to save the done. card. He had to save the card. Yeah, he had to save that, the card. But he knew. He paid. Were it not for that, he didn't. He wasn't going to get that that fight. I know, but he price. had the in his interview though. He had a. He knew like if I just sit back and not take anything, something's going to happen. Someone's going to drop out, and I could come in. And granted, you know, you you'd think he'd you'd want to full camp for Usman fight, but he's been, tra he was training the whole time, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's, all, it's all, tough. All I'm saying is that, is that these guys have got, you know, Dustin cannot negotiate with the UFC. That, that is an untenable situation. It DJ. Is, it is untenable. DJ, I don't know why you're getting worked up so much about it. Because, because we're doing a podcast and no. we're supposed to be entertaining. <laughs> it doesn't matter because the fighters don't care. That's that's a good point. You're right. So I don't think you should really care about it because they don't care. If they cared, there would be some movement along those lines. They can complain it. about it as much as they want, but what have they? No, why, why aren't they complaining though? That is a great. You know, are they scared that they might get? Well, this is by, you know, the UFC and get you know bad. Well, I mean, I mean, what typically happens in this, right? It, it, or in these types of situations, is you have to have good consolidation of talent. And so what you have is you have middle to lower guys complaining about that, but you don't have the top guys complaining about it. 
They don't care about those other guys. You need to have, if Khabib says, I'm never going to fight again. Ferguson says, I'm never going to fight again. Gaethje says, I'm never going to fight again. Usman says, I'm never going to fight again. Masvidal says, I'm never going to fight again. Connor. Until we get a union. Connor says, I'm never fighting again. Who do they have? Right? Who does the, who's the UFC going to put on? Yeah, they got contender series, series guys. And how many pay-per-views pay-per-views are going to be sold by contender series Man, guys? That's I'm like similar it. to uh, John Jones speaking up about the pay issue and then some Jones. people sort of suggesting that, hey, and then this is along the lines of when before uh, Jorge Masvidal fought Usman that yeah. he was holding out for money too. And they were like, mm, this could steamroll into something. When they, when they start organization, but when, when they start caring about each other, then we should start caring about it. But if those guys can't care about each other, then that's, that's an issue that they have to deal with. You made a great point. Both of you guys, outstanding job, uh, on tackling that topic and, uh, bringing me down off the ledge. Thank you, Will. You just saved my life, man. Five. I'll always lead you to the right answer. <laughs> All right. So Tiago's, and ironically, COVID is playing absolute havoc with Brazilian UFC fighters. So just no way, no way, TJ, no way, in the no last, way. In the last two weeks, <laughs> impossible. In the last two weeks, we lost Glover Teixeira, so they canceled the card between. They canceled the fight between he and Tiago. Glover did uh, came back. Tested negative, but now his opponent, Tiago Santos, tested positive. Then we had Johnny Walker fighting this week, that big, tall, light heavyweight he, guy. He tested positive? He tested positive. Oh, my gosh. I so, didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, COVID <laughs> is playing hell. And now I'm thinking that Kati's in Brazil. I'm taking her directly to the testing facility. For Wait, are, DJ, are you telling me that a warrior's mentality does not protect you from po a positive COVID test. No, no, I, I, you're shocked, I'm sure. I'm just entirely shocked that you cannot tough, be a tough guy and prevent yourself from getting COVID. I just not get it, no. Yeah, just, oh, okay. The no. higher testosterone levels, I thought would, you know, build up a shield in your cells that, you know, kind of deflect the uh, yeah, just, just tough, the, just tough the COVID, COVID virus. Out. Yeah, it, just it, tough the COVID out. Well, yeah, well, the receptors well, in your cells that attach to the COVID virus are <laughs> nullified from your high <laughs> testosterone levels. I, I, I got a good, I got a, I got a good buddy, a training partner at the academy. He's Brazilian, <laughs> and we we're talking about COVID and all that stuff on on this message. And he goes, "Oh man," he goes, "Acai and Windex, no problem." Oh God, that's got to be Fabio. <laughs> I'm not gonna Fabio? name names. Okay. I'm not gonna name names, oh but I thought that I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, that and uh, what else? I, I, I'm trying to think of what I'm not even. I don't even want to go there. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, it wasn't Fabio, okay. my man. That's Professor my man. Fabo, Professor Fabo, Gerald Mearshart, uh fighting um, Kazmat uh, Chimaev, Kamzat. I'm sorry, Kazmat, Kamzat Chimaev, and Will. Uh, actually, Nick was super pissed off at the fact that they have booked, uh, what is it, three weeks later? Oh, no, it's in November. Oh, it's in so November. It's, yeah, yeah, so it's about five weeks later uh, <laughs> that, that he's supposed to fight uh, Damian Maya at 170 uh, overseas. I believe it's in uh, Abu Dhabi. So uh, what do you think about that, guys? Uh, Nick, let's start with you. What do you think about... Ger for, uh, Gerald Mirshart and uh, Kamzat Chimaev. I mean, they're really 
they're really pushing uh pushing the hype train with uh with this guy with uh Shemaev, however you pronounce his name i probably butchered it no, that's but fair. i mean yeah he he's he's a um i mean so far he looks like he's you know a pretty could be a, a future champion and everything like that but i mean i've, I've never heard of anything like this in the ufc like have two fights already kind of booked for this guy and the first fight they were just like yeah we'll just throw him Mershart and he'll stomp him and then we'll go to Maya because Maya's the bigger name but it's weird it's weird I think they're trying to sort of utilize their assets and utilize uh situations that kind of fall in that their own hands so what I mean by that is you know, Mershak um, tested positive for COVID, but then, like, he tested negative. So, like, within, like, I don't know, a couple of days or something. So he was scheduled to fight uh, Dave Herman, I think. Or no, uh, yeah, Herman. Dave Herman. Ed Herman, Ed Herman, mm-hmm. gosh. Dave Herman's yeah, was... going way back. Great, yeah, really right, Dave, he... <laughs> Cupcake. Yeah, Dave... But no, he was scheduled to fight, yeah, um, Ed Herman. Or whatever that fell through because Mershak had a positive test, and then I think the day before the fight he tested negative or something. I don't know something weird. Basically, he's good to go. And then for Mershak or not Mershak, but uh, uh, whatever. How do you pronounce his Mir- name? Mershak. Yeah, Mershak, and then in yeah. uh, Kamaya or whatever. Mm-hmm. He he. I don't know. They wanted an opponent for him or something, so they throw Mershak because Mershak didn't have a fight. But the fight's at middleweight. I know it was that middleweight. Yeah. So, and then and then he's gonna fight at 170. And, and he's gonna whatever, fight at 170. Weeks, so weeks. it's like they're just making this weird sort of, I don't know, just I don't know. They're just I don't know. They're making some rash decisions to kind of push this guy. I've got two things to say. One is disrespectful to Mirshart. It's disrespectful to Damian Maya. I don't think this is a guy that agreed. You know, for Maya yeah. for his last fight. We talked about that last week. And Will, I just want to tell you that Dave Herman is a really interesting character, super talented guy who, okay, just to give you an idea of where this this wild man and what he's like, he walked on to the Purdue wrestling team, like with no wrestling experience, like a Big Ten wrestling team. Beast. Yeah. I mean, he had a well-rounded game. He could do, he could kick, he could punch, he'd fluid. He had really cool. You have no idea what he's going to do when he uh, walked in the cage. Super tanned up. You know, he'd be like in the tanning bed, blonde hair. But yeah, Dave Herman literally walked on to Purdue uh, in college. So it's a heavyweight too. It's huge. Is he? Yeah, he was either a heavy or light heavy. Yeah, heavyweight. He yeah, it's not easier to do at a higher weight. Dude, I mean, walking walking on to a Big Ten wrestling program is that's a pretty big deal if you haven't wrestled. That's that's regardless of weight. You, regardless yeah, of weight. relative Crazy. to weight. If you they, were to walk on to a team, what would be the easiest weight class to walk on to? <laughs> Scientifically speaking, well, it would be heavyweight. And uh, it would be <laughs> it would be fun doing so because you just eat eat like crazy to get there. Oh yeah, it'd be fun getting your ass kicked in practice. Oh, I'll, I'll tell you what, man. Rest, I'm sure you can ask Carissa and uh, Ethan all about it. Uh, and Carissa running off. Uh, by the way, Carissa Koreshi, shout out to our friend Riz Koreshi and his daughter, the 14-year-old Carissa Koreshi, who now beat a girl who was fourth in the state. 
last wow. year, third in the state. Oh, so yeah, this girl has less than a year of wrestling. I or she may have just gone over a year, but these are girls that have been wrestling for you know, like ten, a decade or a, yeah, <laughs> basically. That's, so that's insane. She's incredible. yeah, beast, beast. Yeah, you've and really her, good, really good kids too. Really you've good watched kids. her grapple for years, right? Yeah. Sweetest can be, right? Yeah, really good kids, really well behaved, academically driven. Um, can't help but root for and be happy for kids that have success like that. Yeah. But they work hard. They work hard. They do. The Qureshi kids are amazing. Uh, let's move on to uh, we're going to make picks for uh, this week's UFC card, Woodley versus Covington. Uh, and just talk about that really quick. It's uh, This is a fight that has been, again, it was a year in the making, and it was basically the financials that caused this fight not to happen uh, due to the amount of money, apparently, that Colby. And everybody thought, well, Colby's really tight with Dana. They went to the White House together. Um, surely he's going to get paid. But uh, obviously their metrics that they're operating off of in terms of fight cost and they may have a bottom line i'm not sure how they uh what metrics are going off of but they would not pay colby to fight t wood now t wood not the champion not in a bargaining position nor is colby because his he's coming off a loss so they were obviously able to make it uh in their minds financially viable so you have uh tyron woodley former champion at 19 5 and 1 he's on what a two-fight skid nick i think so i think okay. he's on a two-fight skid because he beat till defend yeah. his title and he loses to usman and he loses to burn so and look terrible yeah. in both of those unfortunately and we yeah. we do like he would against colby chaos covington at 15 and 2 who is an amazing fighter uh and and really just puts on a pace so, Nick, uh, what are your thoughts about this fight? Who do you think is going to win? And we'll, we'll try to get through these relatively quickly because we're going to wrap things up. But uh, who do you think is going to win this one? I mean, love T-Wood, always a fan. But, I mean, based on where he's at and where Kobe's at, I mean, you got to go with Kobe. I mean, love him or hate him, Kobe's, uh, you know, he's a top. He's a top contender. He demonstrated that against Usman and I think a big shot from Woodley is not going to be enough to to put Kobe down I think you have to really really just almost kill the guy to get him out of there I mean Usman struggled to uh I wouldn't say struggle but it was a it was a fight between him and Usman right and I think uh Woodley just does not have what he, he doesn't have enough right now to to stop Kobe based on yeah their past performances and everything but i mean secretly i'm gonna really wish for for um woodley to you know maybe do a takedown ground and pound or knock him down go for submission out I, I want woodley to win but if i had a bit of money yeah definitely kobe colby covington yeah um thanks again once again everybody it's mma bjj in life joining me are my co-host dr will Wu. And rock and roll bass player Nick Cazono, <laughs> the two jujitsu heads. And uh, Will, what say you? T Wood, again, coming off two losses, <laughs> going against uh, Colby Covington, who has put a pace on everybody, including oh, Usman. Just pains me to, that you guys didn't bring this fight up. I'm going to 
this is I've watched this begrudgingly. This is a mini version of the Kamzat my Damian Maya fight. Yeah, right. That's it's a mini version of that where you have Woodley on a negative trend, and I don't know, is Colby on a plateau, slightly upward trend, somewhat early in his career, mm-hmm. and so. I don't think it's going to be pretty for Woodley, even though I want him to win. Um, it's not going to be entertaining for me to watch. Not at all. Not at all. I and I, um, I, I think we all three of us. I won't add anything uh, interesting to that. I think Colby just puts on a pace, and uh, I don't know that T Wood can keep up with it. He has a penchant for letting himself get backed up against the cage. Uh, what he has is an amazing right hand, but he, he'll, he'll throw his left hand out there as a feeler, as a feeler gauge to land that right hand. And it'll become very obvious, especially because they trained together for several years. Colby was a training partner for Tyron. Um, they've grappled. They know each other. There's not, there's not going to be a surprise. So unless literally Tyron literally tries to wrestle and just actually remakes his game. I don't see it unless he lands that lucky punch. And if he's able to land somehow distract Colby with something and land that right hand, I mean, he could put somebody to sleep. Uh, There's no question about that. He could do that. But I have to bet on, I never bet on the one punch guys. I usually bet on the guys that are able to put together 25 minutes of action and that's colby and tyron Mm. uh it would be hard for me to imagine the kind of work rate when you see tyron has gone 25 minutes it's with guys who are not clinch heavy guys like wonder boy guys where there's a lot of moving around there's a lot of fainting but there's not a lot of tying up and getting those blood you know the blood in the arms you know we heard that forever ago with uh, greg jackson and george st pierre and bj penn I have to believe that Colby and his new training camp at MMA Masters will try to do something very similar, try to tie up with Woodley and get the blood flowing in his arms, slow those punches down, and then it's going to be Colby can just put his foot on the gas pedal. Um, That was a very long-winded explanation for that, but that's kind of how I see it going. Let's move on to another fighter that they're trying to feed a young, hungry lion in Nico Price, who really is an explosive fighter at 14 and 4, taking on uh, the venerable Cowboy, Donald Cowboy Cerrone at 36 and 15, guys. Nick, uh, what do you think about this fight? Uh, I like it. Um, didn't know that Cowboy was fighting, you know, this weekend until I actually looked at the card. I was like, wow, mm-hmm. he's back at it again. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if he's. Cowboys just kind of burn himself up for all these fights and he just it gets exciting when he gets the offer and he just takes it um or he's just cashing in based on you know um what age he's at and everything and any opportunity he gets he's just gonna say yes but i mean who do you think's gonna win i don't know i don't know that much about nico price all i know about nico price he's is he beast, likes to man. knock guys off Woo! from his back yeah he is tough, <laughs> which man. is weird like he gets taken down and he like what is it up kicks that he lands and like knocks guys out yeah he did he uh somebody was grinding pounding him and he knocked him out from the bottom he did that like at least twice he did that to uh what's his face james vick he needed it to one other person he got ko'd by vicente luque i'm seeing here 
But Vicente yeah. Luque is a monster, man. He's he's an animal. He beat uh, he beat James Vick, I think. Uh, yeah, okay. on the bottom. Yeah, that's yeah. the guy. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I don't, he I'm... lost against Jeff Neal, and Jeff Neal oh, is Jeff like, great. Oh my god, yeah. he's like the Godzilla. I, and Will, if you haven't seen Jeff Neal yet, he is literally he's like the boogeyman right now in the welterweight division. I haven't, but I'm gonna go with a guy that didn't get severely damaged by a shoulder, shoulder strike. strikes. <laughs> All right, so let make a pick on this one, Nick. We got to move it along. Are you gonna make a pick? I'll go with Cowboy. I think Cowboy still has what it takes to oh, maybe. Man. Pride take, never take dies, man. He's Japanese, yeah. brother. Pride never dies. <laughs> go ahead, Will. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna oppose Nick on this one. <laughs> I'm going with Nico Price too. I'm I'm with you guys. Um, Kazma Chimaev and Mirshart. Uh, I'll make this really quick. I mean, these guys that are the Dagestani wrestlers. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Ben Askren. I know you're his teammate, but uh, I'm going with uh, Chimaev. Uh, Willie Vanilli. Same here. Considering what they did with the schedule, that's kind of a, uh, a tell. little hint there. A, tell, a little yeah. hint, just a little one, just a little one. Nick, a little bit of foreshadowing, but you know what? I don't like the story being told. Oh. I don't like it at Whoa. all. <laughs> the UFC veteran. It's, okay, it's I the think, rock and roller in him. You know yeah. what? Just based on the fact that, yeah, based on the fact that this fight is at middleweight, hey, this guy, hey, he's a he. I was born a rebel. <laughs> oh boy. Mershak's oh a middleweight. He's only been he's only lost to some very tough guys in middleweight. He yeah. lost to Tiago Santos. He lost to um some other guys. I forgot their names or whatever, but he's lost to some tough guys in middleweight. He is, he's no chump. This guy's no chump. So he's got a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He's got submissions off his back. He's got a couple guillotine wins as well. So I think I think he can do it. I think he could derail the hype just momentarily. I don't think, you know, if, if uh, Shamayev loses, I don't think it's going to lo- really hurt his stock. They might still book him against Maya, and then he'll win against Maya. Then oh, DJ, Nick got some UFC promo money for that. Ooh, did you see man. what he just did? Nick, yeah. what are you trying to do, man? What are you trying to do? You're trying to get on Dana's good side? <laughs> we don't need the fight. To see. All right. <laughs> I uh, I'm, I'm looking at Mearshart's record. I'm definitely not convinced. Dude, he's got uh, 40 fights, man. No, I know but... he's got a lot of experience. I'm, I I looked at his record. I saw the guys he won to. I saw the guys he lost to. I'm comfortable with Shemaya. Let's go with uh, Mackenzie Dern versus Random Marcos. This looks like a setup fight uh, oh, for Dern. Um, Will? I'm gonna go with the jujitsu player, dog. I. Okay, Nick, go ahead, man. Because I mean, like, yeah, I gotta go with Darren. I mean, the, the, the strengths of Miranda Marcos is her grappling, and she's a good, pretty good wrestler oh too. My but God. she has the most. Her MMA IQ is some yeah. of the lowest that I have it's, ever it's seen. Not good. She will put herself in a situation yeah. to to lose the fight. So the I, thing I, is, I, though, she looked great <laughs> on the show for tough. Like she was like beating people down. She's like uh, Random Marcos. Yeah, it's so she Did she snatch defeat from victory? Yes. Is that what she you're saying? Yes. And the yes, she will. And so <sighs> okay. uh, we're all picking Mackenzie Dern. Yeah. Now, uh this last fight I'm going to talk about is uh Chris Latrell's fighter from Latrell Yi MMA uh in Albuquerque who will be coached by Ray Yi and Chris Latrell. J- 
Jordan Espinosa at 15, uh, 15 and 7 against uh, the Czech Republic's David Dvorak. And let me tell you who I'm picking. I ain't even got to think about it. No way, no way, no way. Grappling. No way, let me guess, let me guess. <laughs> Espinosa. Yes, I was just talking to him on um, Wednesday night last week, so maybe a week ago. Or no, uh, six days ago. Great kid. Um, he's really a guy, to be quite honest with you, who has he has a good striking game. He's not a boxer. He's kind of more of a kicker and a one-punch guy. He doesn't throw, like, long combinations. He, he was a college wrestler, and um, he's very quick, has great movement, but he really needs to kind of marry everything together into a cogent game plan, and I think he's finally going to do that. So I got Espinosa. So I know you guys don't know who either guy is, so I'm not even going to ask you to pick. But I'm going to pick the other guy. All right, <laughs> shut up, Will. What, what weight right. class is he at? He's at what 125. He might be up to 135 now, but he okay. was 125. He was in Juicier's division. He might be up to 135 now. I mean, that's a tough division, so, I mean. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? That's a, yeah. Yeah, that's a sharp I'm going game. with a guy with a bigger skull. Okay, I will try, to get, power. I'll try to get head measurements. Uh, but let's uh, let's go on to our, our final closing comments, our wrap-up. Will, do you have anything for me in closing? No, I think we covered it at the top. Um, Clippers are an utter failure in Los Angeles. Uh, that was one. <laughs> that was a big one. Just a couple questions probably is, if someone has back control in the UFC and then the, and the round ends, why can't they start from back control when the round begins? Um, why? <laughs> and I'm going to be consistent with this. Why do UFC I'll, fans I'll tell you boo? why. No, 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 I'm okay. keeping, I got one more, okay. and I'm going to stay consistent with this because it annoys the living day last seven eight. Why do UFC fans boo when guys are trying to get control on the ground? I don't like that at all. Well, uh, in the answer, well, to answer the second question first, it's because they're all like Dana, uh, meat-headed, and they still don't understand what's great about MMA. That's, and to your first question, the reason that's the case is because the fight, it's basically, it, it, we call it a fight, but it's really three separate fights. And if you were to start them in the same position, then we're not having three separate fights that we're scoring. We're having a continuation of one and two in a three-round fight. So that's the reason One more question. One more yeah. question. What happened to Jose Aldo's leg kicks? Where did they go? You know something? I need an, the the Oracle of Adelphi to <laughs> in Greece to answer that question. Where's Croesus when you need him? Where uh, did they go? Did someone <laughs> take take his leg kicks away from him? I, I've heard different hypotheses, including from a friend of mine that might have been in his camp. But I, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, I think we can safely just chalk it up to that he fell in love with his boxing like many, many MMA fighters have done, and he's just never come back. I mean, I don't know if you know, there, there's that one famous boxer in Riverside, and Jose went there and trained with him with the idea of starting a boxing career. Danny something, I can't remember his last name. Garcia, the Garcias. Um, and he went there on multiple occasions. And to me, it's the most detrimental thing for a fighter 
and and you actually that was just a theory that I've had based on watching the sport since 1999. But you actually backed it up scientifically with slowing down the uh, the motion of your opponent because he has to think about something. So take not necessarily the motion, his reaction time, his different reaction from time. his motion. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. That's why he has a doctorate and. And I'm a meathead, but anyway. There more, there more, what is more, more, more things that your cognition has to sort of. Yeah, you have to, you have with, to, right? Yeah, you have to, you have to observe more components of your environment, right? Yeah. So it's going to take processing. More stimulus, per se. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So that's, that's, that's fascinating. And we'll actually, in future episodes, uh, we'll try to point out where that happens. Uh, but uh, the, for any MMA fighter out there, I don't care who your coach is. I promise you, if you are a boxing centric fighter and you don't kick and you can't and you don't wrestle, you are leaving. I don't care how good your hands are unless you are like literally what's that one guy from uh, Kelvin Katar or somebody like that. Um, oh, you're yeah. Le- you're leaving. He's a kickboxer, though, I think. No, too. he's a boxer. He's a is boxer. he a boxer? Yeah. Oh, but you're okay. leaving your he kicks now. But you're leaving yourself at a disadvantage. Will said it scientifically, and I can tell you from watching a lot of fights, man, if you're not kicking in today's MMA, you are putting yourself behind the eight ball. And you can look at the last two performances by Angela Hill, and I can name off a whole bunch of other performances like that, including, another... including, including Woodley versus Burns. There is, another, the point. there is another sport called boxing that they could pursue. Where they don't have well, to kick and they don't have to wrestle. I don't, I don't, I don't want. I don't. I don't want to go there. <laughs> Will you're so mean. Um, uh, do you have anything in closing, Nick, for your Kazone O? Uh no, I don't. I think we've kind of discussed everything I wanted to talk about for this week, and I can't think of anything. Um, okay. Well, of gonna, any interest. <laughs> I'm gonna ask. I'll ask both of you, and and we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up. So I'm gonna try to make this succinct. And then I'll get, I'd like to get commentary for you on both of them. And basically what the question is, is to why do these things keep happening to Conor McGregor as he is arrested on the island of Corsica for apparently revealing himself to a young married woman who was allegedly headed to the bathroom at a club. Um, a, uh, apparently McGregor was in town for some sort of a pedal boat regatta that he was, that he was uh, ready to engage in, and uh, well, it's for charity. He was in town for charity. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. And, no, seriously, uh, he it was a charity event. Well, that's great. I wish that he wouldn't have. Which given makes away it even worse. Something that was in his pants. if it did happen. Yeah, if assuming it, yeah, that. It, but you know what? If it didn't happen, then gee, we have like three allegations in Ireland uh, that have been kept very quiet. Uh, but that were reported by Eugene Robinson over a year ago and then finally made it to the New York Times in 2019, Nick? Yeah, well, what happened to that? I don't know. Was there any conclusion? I'm not tracking it, but it's the Irish court system. It's uh, There may or may not be involvement with an Irish uh, La Cosa Nostra equivalent, but but what I want to get across to you guys is that if you're a fighter out there and you're making the type of money that McGregor, that McGregor is taking, you must, must maintain some sort of an order of training. And if you're not and you're in a situation like he is where you're jet setting, 
I, I mean, there's so many examples of powerful people. I mean, certain boxers that we could name that we don't have to name right now, that when you get into this version of jet setting and flying around and you're in Monaco and you have a whole crew around you, bad things will happen. And I, I, I feel, I, I feel awful for this. I don't feel awful for McGregor because he's the author of his own discontent and his own demise, at least in the eyes of the public, if you will. But I feel bad for MMA fans because we have here a great talent that could be involved in a lot of different matchups who thought that he was bigger than the sport. Then he ends up being demoralized by Khabib. His whole crew ended up basically being beat down by Khabib's crew and his fans. And it really didn't have to go that way if he just stayed within himself. We had the bus incident turned into this back and forth thing with the, I'm quiet, Athena. Holy with the, moly. With the two cultures, et cetera, et cetera. And, and that devolved into something that ended up with people in the arena being beaten up uh, that had absolutely nothing to do with McGregor and his commentary. And now you have the guy in Corsica being arrested again uh, for sexual assault. And, and I don't, Will, do you, what, are, what are your thoughts about what's happened with McGregor and what, what has gone wrong? Um, if it's, is this inevitable? I mean, is it, it, I'm kind of speechless in terms of what's going on because you have someone who is a fairly polarizing figure, but very significant to the organization of the UFC and what he does for the UFC in terms of numbers fan interests, etc., And he does have a pretty cool story in terms of his development over time as, as a mixed martial artist, um, how spectacular it is. He is really good with his words. He is really good from a strategic promotional standpoint. He's crossed over those sorts of things. And so it's just a serious bummer, right? Because to have these are this is not like he's not he's not going bankrupt with losing his money he's physically harming people that are weaker than he is right a female he's bankrupting his legacy yeah it is um yeah i don't i don't really know what to say it's a shame uh you hope that he would have people around him but when you make when people are telling you yes and people are telling you you are the UFC, people are telling you you know how much money you have and then you don't have your boys that keep you in line or tell you how you're changing, then it leads to stuff like that. He's um, not the UFC. I mean, no. as, as sad as that is to say because I wish the fighters had more power, he's not the UFC, Nick, is he? But I – sorry, I just he, want to leave with – I just, before, I just want to leave with this. It's – it's even worse what he's doing to these individuals that are that he's assaulting. I don't. I could care pretty much care less what's happening to him. Oh right, yeah. It's even worse what's happening to the individuals he's allegedly assaulting. 
Nick? I think it's, uh, you know, once you got that Mayweather payday, I mean, it just, wow, just it all just let loose. That was the launching you know, point, right? The money launching point was just the that kind of money, given I got like that, that kind of money. And, um, $150 know, million. Dollars. Yeah. And then, you know, he has, he's, could allude that he has uh, some substance sort of addictions as well. So that doesn't really play into uh, scenarios that will, benefit him in regards to a lot of those types of things. So it, it kind of adds to his sort of erratic sort of behavior that he has going on. So it is, it is a shame because he is a talented fighter. He's a charismatic fighter. I mean, he brings lots to the table, but I mean, just in any kind of entertainment industry, these types of things sort of reel it, reel its head. And I, I don't know. It, it, it's, yeah, I think I, I, I definitely agree with will it's like i, I can I, to this point now I, I can care or even like three years ago i could care less what happens to mcgregor but as far as the individuals that he's sort of um uh, affected with his actions you know i feel bad for those people and that's Just, why i started off with <clears throat> with um and and his victims are of primary concern or his alleged victims but what i said was i don't care about mcgregor uh I don't care about McGregor, but I, I care about the fans and the fans were really set to see something great. And we could be looking at Masvidal and, and, and Connor, you know, like that. Think about how huge that would be. And we may never see that fight. Can you, okay, just right now. uh, And I'll close with this and we'll close the show with this. Could you make a bigger fight? For McGregor than than Jorge Masvidal, um, will. It's not. That's hard. That's hard. You know. That's hard. That's hard to say because Conor McGregor is not the best UFC fighter in his division. Well, that's what I mean. I don't want to put him right. against Khabib. I want to put him Correct. against someone that has a style that that will help him so that he so can stand up and strike. When you say a better fight, is it a better fight in terms of the hype that'll bring and the pay-per-views that'll bring, or is it a better I fight? Less. I two style. I could care less if the UFC makes ten cents or ten billion dollars. Two fighters that have like styles that can come together. I don't want to see him fight. Oh, Khabib. okay. I would rather, I like the combination of Ferguson, Khabib, um, now Gaethje after that Ferguson fight. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I wasn't totally convinced on Gaethje until I saw that Ferguson fight and his striking was just damn. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'd be that combination, those combination guys, any of those combinations there. And I'm not, I don't, I, don't, I wouldn't include Poirier in there. I would include Masvidal in there. I would see like to see a combination of those four fighters way before I'd like to see no, any that, fight with that, McGregor. That, that wasn't what I was asking. I was saying the fight for McGregor. Who would you want to see fight McGregor? And that's why. I oh, got it, got it. I'd like to see. Masvidal. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, got it. No, I'd rather I'd rather him uh, fight Khabib again, so I could see Khabib pummel him again. <laughs> okay. Goodbye, Will. Nick, <laughs> give me something better than what Will just gave me. I mean, Will just I gave mean, me yeah, some, uh... some dim sum, and there was no pork in it. <laughs> Thank you, Will. I mean, yeah, on paper, strat- like, 
style-wise, I think um, Masvidal will be a great fight for McGregor. I mean, it's that 170, so McGregor doesn't really have to go through a weight cut, so he can be healthy, good training. Is there a better and, you fight? Know, and he looked great against Cowboys, so you know it's not like he lost any sort of steps in regards to his uh, physical abilities and, and strategies and everything like that. Like he, he looked on when he needs to be. So that fight, I think, will be really good. Number also, one. yeah, uh, I think a Tony Ferguson fight with him would be good too. To be honest, yeah. even if it was even at 170, even if they agreed to 170, I wouldn't be opposed to that. I think that would be good. Or a Gagey fight. Yeah, Gagey fight would be good. I, I would say if I to match up McGregor, I would say, and it, in no particular order, Masvidal or Poirier or Gagey or Tony. Any yeah. of those would be really because Tony, I think I don't think Tony's going to wrestle anybody. I think I think Tony is going to stand up and try to fight whoever he's going to fight. And if he's not doing some wacky Imanari role, because uh, Jed Mishu pointed out about, hey, Tony and Max is something we really want to see. And I was like, yeah, I mean, that would be cool. But collegiate wrestler Tony, I got a 20 spot that says he doesn't shoot a takedown. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, in the absence of that, and in the absence of any pork in my dim sum, None. I basically have a steamed bun here. Hey, uh, that's a real dish. Oh, really? Uh, didn't it I is. live in Irvine, for goodness sakes? <laughs> what, a porkless dim sum? I basically have nothing in it. There's air. Yeah, Will just... gave me air in my dim sum. He took a little <laughs> air chuck and, and blew it up. Here, DJ, here you go. This one's chock full. And I, that's be, that's because you forced us to talk about Conor McGregor. Okay, yeah. I. You know, he's he's a topic, man. I want to see him fight strikers. And you went to your comfortable place. Hey, your comfortable place is, I don't care about McGregor. I want to see two people that grapple and wrestle. I get that. Me too. But that wasn't no, the question. Those other guys, those other guys have all around games. They I just do. don't want to, see, I, when you look at, when you see what Khabib did to McGregor, you look at how lacking he is. And you look at those, any one of those other guys, and they're much better matchups than well, now Poirier, he la he lasted longer than Poirier, didn't he? Who did? I think I don't think Ka Poirier, Poirier lasted. Oh, Poirier and Khabib. Yeah, yeah, I think Connor actually lasted longer. He did. Yeah. He did. Yeah, I mean, it's just Khabib is a monster. The only people you want to see fight Khabib, in my mind, that I want to see fight Khabib is somebody that can wrestle or somebody that is an amazing jujitsu player like. Uh, Brian, uh, help me out. Ortega. Yeah, like Ortega. Ortega. Yeah. Yeah, I would want to see somebody like that. But other than that, I mean, that's it. Because other than that, Khabib's just gonna take take a brother down and smash him up. Dude, like, that dude's that dude knows. He knows what he's good at, and he executes. That's you it. You can't complain about that. L watch him, UFC fighters. Don't try to be exciting. Go and get paid. He's one of the richest guy. He is the second richest guy in the lightweight division. It's not, a, it's not a beauty contest. No. If you want a beauty contest, then you... You come see me. You come see you me. Watch a Conor you, wa you watch a Conor McGregor fight. All right, <laughs> All right guys. Uh, that's a wrap. Uh, hashtag MMA for this episode. If you want to follow Nick on Twitter, you can find him at... Eats Thrash. Eats Thrash. Right. Uh, and... Nick Actually, is gonna fresh banana eats, but they like yeah. cut it up. 
So it it's like eat trash, but okay. Next episode, account. Nick will explain to us why uh, he has that, and Will is not on Twitter yet. But, Come on, uh, Will. I'm on Twitter, but it's so toxic that I just it, kind of yeah. ignore it. That's fair. I, That's I really fair. don't. You know what? Um, you can. I think it's easier to stay clean on Twitter than it is on uh, Facebook. Today. I think Instagram's a little better. God bless you. Uh, and you, if you guys want to see Will doing bicep curls, you can find him on Instagram at. <laughs> he doesn't want to tell. <laughs> it's uh, it's at Doctor Will Wu. There you go, and there you can watch. You'll see it. You'll see a ton of golf science stuff on there. Yes, and you can watch Will work out. And he may or may not be uh, putting some oil in his body. Yeah, there you go, baby. Come and get some of that. Well, I uh, do have a I do have a photo of uh, Philippe choking me on uh, on Instagram. So that's my own. Oh shoot, that should be my screensaver. Yeah. Anyway, really I <laughs> thank you very much, everybody, for joining us on MMA BJJ and Life. Uh, take care, take care of yourselves, and we'll see you down the road. Porkless dim sum. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I got. Oh, there it is. Thank you.